Hi, welcome to the Biffa Podcast, the show from the British Independent Film Awards that brings together two artists from the filmmaking community for a conversation about how film has shaped their lives. In this episode, Biffa Breakthrough Performance Award nominee Max Harwood and Lauren Patel, stars of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, got together for a lovely chat about their cinematic influences. The story of a boy determined to go to his high school prom in drag, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, has been a hit on stage and now on screen. And Max and Lauren had a lot to talk about, about it. Max and Lauren's friendship and chemistry is infectious and hilarious, and their cinematic upbringings are equally entertaining. From getting terrified by the Polar Express, to being awestruck by Jennifer Lawrence, to the hotly contested debate about going to the cinema by yourself. Personally, as an ex-cinema worker like Max, who loved watching a film early before a shift, I am all for it. Hello Lauren, how are you doing? You alright? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm ready to talk to you about all things cinema, all things film, all things growing up. God, we love a good film, don't we? We do actually, I think we do, I think we do. How have you been? Have you been good? How's things? I'm good, yeah, everything's going well. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. The same old, same old. Same old, same old. Talking to you on Zoom, doing tapes. <laughs> doing tapes, auditioning till our eyeballs fall out. <laughs> Hashtag actor's life. <laughs> okay, let's take it right back to the very beginning, Max. What is your first memory of an experience that you had at the cinema? Wow, it's taking me back. I think for me, I definitely was watching cassettes and videos and stuff at home. I think the first things that I probably went to see at the cinema were animated movies like Toy Story or A Bug's Life or something like that. I remember seeing those early Disney Pixar movies in the cinema growing up, going and getting the little kids mix, tiny little popcorn with a tiny little toy. I still get those now. <laughs> <laughs> Big popcorns is, is a lot to eat. I'd never, exactly. I'd never ever get through a whole large one, but I'd always exactly. buy one now. That was really it for me, all those early animated movies. And I think probably didn't have the technology and stuff at mm. home to watch stuff like that. Yeah. From what I remember. I don't know. What about you? I remember the first film I saw in the cinema was Polar Express. And I got 20 minutes in and started screaming because it really scared me. And my mum had to take me out of the cinema. And I've never seen it since. Do you remember the first time you went to the cinema like on your own? Because I felt proper grown up the first time I went on my own. The first time I probably went on my own is I worked at a cinema when I was 16. That you know, the, the listeners may not, but I did work at a cinema when I was 16 famously. There's pictures of me on the internet working Odin in Basingstoke. <laughs> but I started working there when I was 16. We used to get free tickets to the cinema. It was like literally the best thing as someone who loves films growing up. So I think the first times I went on my own, it was after work on my own or before a shift. I lived really close to the cinema. So I used to just walk over there if I had a free evening and catch a film that no one else wanted to see with me. But I love going on my own all the time. You go on your own as well, don't you? Yeah, definitely a lot. It's the same thing with me. I got one of those cinema passes in Sixth Farm College and like any time I had a free minute, I was just there. And it, that's quite nice showing up and, and watching a film that you don't really know a lot about because I've seen like some of my favourite films that way because I never would have usually gone to see them. I feel like when you go on your own, you can easily discover what your own taste is. I think when you go with people, your experience of the film, you come out and everyone's either loved it or they're like, oh, that was a waste of two hours of my life. Yeah. If you did really like the film, it's suddenly you're like, oh, but I really liked it. Did I not like it? Have I got... Exactly. I'm like, am I stupid? <laughs> yeah, but really, that's for me going on my own. I've been able to discover things that I liked and reaffirm things that I watched growing up and stuff that I really liked. Actors that I loved growing up and stuff like that. Were there any films growing up that like really stood out to you of actresses or actors that you were like, wow, I think I'm really inspired to get into acting? 
I think that I grew up on a lot of movie musicals on DVD and on the telly and like Mary Poppins was one that I've always loved and Hairspray as well. I think the entire cast of Hairspray is so cool and so well cast and it's one of those movie musicals that just looked so fun to do and so fun to be a part of and I remember watching it on the train when I was coming down to London for our premiere for Jamie and I was like I can't believe I'm in a movie musical it's so magical <laughs> my life has changed forever because oh, I am Nikki Blonsky I now I feel like Nikki Blonsky in the movie has <laughs> <laughs> what about you do you have any films that stuck out to you growing up yeah when I was working at the cinema it was when the Hunger Games was huge and the films were coming out rapid fire year after year and they were so hugely popular and I grew up being such a huge fan of uh, Suzanne Collins's books and I was like wow I can't wait to see these films and I remember watching Jennifer Lawrence in that film and was like wow I was just so awestruck seeing someone perform so beautifully in like a typically YA film and I was like oh my god me as a teenager maybe I can be like an actor and do the thing and then you know seeing Jennifer go on to do other epic performances in like Silver Linings Playbook and stuff like that I was just very inspired that was definitely someone who inspired me for sure incredible franchise of films I rewatched them the other week you know when you go back to something you liked when you were like 14 and you're like are they gonna be as good as I remember and then I yeah. watched it I was like yes they are they are They're they are so they are good. totally what sort of stuff are you watching right now any films obviously we're in the height of award season says hundreds of films to watch have any caught your eye and who is your money on for the Oscars? Oh, I don't know who my money's on <laughs> for the Oscars. I don't know if I'm placing bets on that right now. But I watched Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix and Woody Norman. And I watched it on my own at the Picture House the day after the Biffa Film Awards, actually. Wow, you're fancy. Did you go to the Biffa Film Awards? I Look did go to the Biffa Film Awards. She's Somebody fancy in now. Zoom call was nominated for an award and it <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, <laughs> it was me. I went and I just, I loved it. And I saw Boiling Point. I thought that was an incredible film. The performances and the way it was made. And I also saw The Lamb from A24 film. And I loved that as well. Yeah. I met Stephen favorites. Graham at the Biffers and I was like, whoa, I was like, you're Hello, amazing. Stephen Graham, you're so cool. <laughs> he, was, he was so lovely as well about our film. And he came to oh, our yeah. premiere in Sheffield, actually. And that was really lovely. And he just was like, continue working, work hard, let your work speak for itself, keep working hard. But yeah, going to the Biffers, it opened me up to so many of the really cool independent films. Like one that I watched after the Biffers was Sweetheart, which is Marley Morrison. And now, now is the lead in it. She won the Breakthrough Performance Award at the Biffers. And I watched it after the Biffers and I, I loved it. And it's this story about this young queer person that goes on holiday with their family and their family don't really understand their queerness and it's an absolute gem of a film so if you haven't seen it you should absolutely watch that that would be one that i would say that's like a hidden gem you should absolutely watch it i can't wait to watch that it sounds really really good so so good obviously you're from up north specifically bolton i am whereabouts might one find you experiencing the magic that is cinema oh good words i now go to the odeon a lot any odeon that is local or not local I am always there every chance that I get and there's also an independent cinema called Home in Manchester and they show some really great films and they also have a theatre there and an art gallery mm. and it's just the coolest place ever I'm there a lot even though I have a pass for another place I'm yeah. also there a lot <laughs> what about you you still have your heart in Basingstoke Odeon I've been back there a little bit but when I was training in London at drama school I got a student pass for Pitch House Central and it's got like a little cute members bar in there. And I used to go there in my free time and write and get ready to go and see a film and have a drink and stuff. So I go there a lot now. 
but also my my friend Celia, who's a brilliant writer and actress, she bought me for my birthday two years ago a, a lifetime membership to the Prince Charles, which is in London. It's an independent cinema, and she took me to see Snowpiercer there because they were doing a rerun of Snowpiercer, which is one of my favorite films. I have this thing about cinema that because you go in and it feels so isolated from the outside world, you go in and it feels like you're going into something and then whatever film you're watching, you go to that place and it's little places and independent places like this that have that really special quality of feeling like you're going somewhere else rather than... Though streaming is so brilliant and it means that we can see films worldwide, globally. I can't go to the Snowpiercer train in my in my living room as well as I can sat in a really special screen that's got such a buzz and it's dark and it's definitely a, an experience that I will keep pushing for as a filmmaker and actor going forward is that we keep releasing films in the cinemas. There's something about watching and sharing an experience with a room full of strangers and all laughing or crying or doing whatever together. I think that that's really magical. Or screaming. There's been or some screaming. there's been some oh, experiences God. in cinemas recently where I've been and it's been a full cinema which is always so amazing to see after the pandemic. But we are here on this podcast to talk about our wonderful film everybody's talking about Jamie, but we got to do a premiere in London and Dan Gillespie Sells, who wrote the music for our film, performed with his band The Feeling in the screening. Oh yeah, before the screening. It was so cool. And then at the end everybody stood up and was like clapping and cheering. Oh my god, that was such a cool day. So me and Lauren went to Los Angeles on the press tour of our film which was just mad. And we got to watch our film in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is a bit of a hotspot in LA for films and stuff like this. And our film was projected onto the mausoleum and it was like, it was humongous. I don't think I've ever seen a film on a screen that big before in my life. And it was such an experience to see not only someone who's your best friend, but yourself up there doing a film we made. The Americans went absolutely wild for it. We were there watching it and it was so weird just seeing people experience it. That was the first time I'd watched the film with people that didn't make it. When we watched it in our cast and crew screen and everybody was like cheering and proper into it. But I was like, is this just because we're in it? It's just because we love each other, yeah. It was really cool to see a bunch of essentially strangers be like, yeah! It's like, yeah, Yeah. it's really cool. How have you been doing? How has pandemic been? What sort of things have you been working on? And what sort of things are you seeing yourself being drawn to post playing Pretty Pasha and everybody's talking about Jamie so beautifully. Oh, thank you, Howard. Pandemic has been the pandemic. We all know how it's been. But it was actually quite nice because it was a bit of a whirlwind for me. I was in sixth form college. I responded to an open call and, and 20 days later, I had the job. 20 days after that, we started filming. And so it was all a bit like, go, 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 one thing. It was and madness. Suddenly, like, my whole life had changed. It was ridiculous. And so in a way, it was quite nice to have that breather and go, okay, this is where I'm at now. What do I want to do in this industry? How do I want to navigate all this? And then have that space and then come back to it with this mad year that we've had of promoting the film and everything and and now I'm just kind of it's out in the world and everybody seems to really like it which is lovely we're spreading that little bit of joy that we hope to with the film and now I'm just trying on a bunch of different things on for size and seeing what fits and being drawn to anything that excites me yeah it's been weird isn't it and wild like the response from the not only the pre-existing fans of everybody's talking about jamie the musical the people that haven't seen the show and they've experienced in the movie for the first time the amount of messages and stuff that we've both received from people that have felt that this film has made them feel seen and to be given such a humongous platform for a queer film is just so brilliant and i hope that it opens many doors for more queer films to be 
made. Yeah. Like you said, the pandemic has been a strange year of working and trying on loads of different hats. This was mine and Lauren's first professional acting job, really, for me. And I've made a a couple of films in the pandemic. Obviously, I made, I say obviously, it's not not like, how is it obvious? Well, I know. Lauren, this is because I talk, I'm talking to you. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Lauren knows, Lauren's had this conversation with me many times. But I made a short film called Seagull during the pandemic, which came out in January and it did the London Short Film Festival and is doing the Manchester Film Festival. and In my ends, yes. In your ends. So you can go and see me at the Odeon, finally. Yes. <laughs> and I made another independent film called The Loneliest Boy in the World, which is hopefully coming out later this year. So I've just been doing lots of different things and... It's been nice to have some time to focus, really. I'm definitely getting into a process of what it is like to actually be a creative, I suppose, and working on developing a short, which is about my experience being queer growing up in the town of Basingstoke. And that is going to hopefully be like a very dystopian young person's short film about a young kid that works in a cinema. So it's very, very topical for this podcast, which is about our experience at the cinema. I'm writing a movie about it coming to you soon. (laughs) Is there a film that you've seen, not recently, but just in general, is there any films that come to mind that make you feel particularly represented? Have you ever watched a film and been like, you get me? Oh, gosh. I always find this question really hard because I grew up in Basingstoke. I did feel quite isolated, not feeling very represented in terms Mm. of like seeing lots of myself on screen as a gay man. Aside from that, there's so many young people films, YA films that aren't maybe geared towards queerness that I loved growing up that I felt spoke to a a part of my identity lots of those being musicals really what about you I think a lot of the stuff that film four makes the very British films there's this film that they made called Brass Off about a northern brass band town and I play in a I played in a brass band in the north and it was really (laughs) it was really cute and also you know La La Land is my favorite film of all time and every time I watch that film I'm like you I haven't heard me. you say that one before. I haven't heard you ever say that La La Land is your I literally, film. we have this joke that I have mentioned La La Land more in promoting this film than I have the, the film that we're in. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> whole Lady Gaga La La thing. Every, exactly. interview, every interview, Lauren's going, La La Land. And like, La you La put Land, that, I like La La Land. <laughs> put that next to the, the quote of Lady Gaga, Gaga being like, there can be a hundred people in a room. <laughs> that's your that's your hundred people in a room thing. There can be a hundred La La Lands in a room. Yeah. Wow, this is fun. I have another question for you. Are there any specific actors that inspire you and whose work you really admire? Oh my gosh. I always find this question so hard because I can literally just reel off loads of people whose work I love. And my mind always goes blank. And I know I know, silence is not good in a podcast, but here okay. we are. I'm inspired by lots of women, truly. I love Imelda Thornton, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close. I mean to name a few I, I always say probably in every interview that I go straight to like Leonardo DiCaprio as like yeah. someone who I am like wow I just think he's someone who completely transforms with every role and someone who absolutely gives it beans and by gives it beans I mean wow like the commitment to the performance and the intention and everything is the level of performances that I want to be giving yeah what about you I think again the people who give it beans the people who just like completely 
transform. People like Tilda Swinton. And <gasps> I knew you were going to say Tilda Swinton. I knew that. I know. I knew. She's just, she's so iconic. I love Tilda Swinton. I was saving her for you because I knew that I would be taking. I appreciate that. And also I've got to mention Jessie Buckley because she's one of the most incredible wow. actresses I've ever seen. I think she's amazing. Can we just take a moment for Jessie Buckley? Moment taken. Thank wow. you. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Jesse Buckley Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, me and Lauren got to see Jesse Buckley and Cabaret together yes, a few months did. ago. Just the most amazing experience. Such an yeah. amazing performance. And so good to see that she's getting recognized for her performance in The Lost Daughter. Exactly. I have another question for you. Oh, my gosh. If you could see any film ever, ever on the ever, big screen... Ever, ever, ever. Like you were in charge of Basingstoke Odeon and you can put whatever you want on. Which films would you pick? Okay, so I would do like a week of different nights and then each night there would be a different genre of film. So one night's going to be your movie musicals. So you're going to have Funny Girl, On the Town, Singing in the Rain, Annie, Oliver, all those types of really old classic movie musical madness magic. And then I would have maybe a David Fincher night, like a day of all of David Fincher's films. Yeah. What about you? I really would like to watch The Matrix because I wanted to watch the new one and I hadn't seen the original. So I watched it on my TV and I was like, I cannot believe people got to see this in cinemas. That's so <laughs> cool. So that I think that Jurassic Park as well is the same thing. Oh my God, yes. And yeah, just any of like the, like you say, like the classics that I haven't seen. Like I'm going to watch The Godfather. for the, I've never seen it before. I'm going to watch it for the first time in cinemas in a couple of weeks. And I'm oh, so wow. excited because it's getting that experience of what other people had however many years ago when it came out. Yeah, way back when, Lauren. Way, way back <laughs> in the dark ages. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm dead, I'm dead. What do you like to eat and drink at the cinema? Any Anything particular? Anything you like to have nothing? I've mentioned this earlier on in the podcast, but I get the little children's snack boxes because they're just the perfect amount. Okay, no, please don't laugh at me because it's actually really embarrassing. I literally went to the OD encounter once, was like, can I have a snack box? And he went, for children? That's like... <laughs> It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I know part of the reason why you get this little snack box. Part of the reason is because the little popcorn, and I know the popcorn is too big, but I know the main reason that you get this, that you get the little snack box, is for whatever toy or promotional item. No, it actually doesn't come with a toy, and it makes me a bit upset. I know. But it I comes, swear with, they come it with, comes with, you can get like animal, <laughs> you can get like animal crackers and Smarties and a Capri Sun. Great night for me. Wow. Great night. So, yeah, what about you? What do you get? I always get one of those fizzy, slushy drink. Tango Ice Blast. That's it. Yeah, Tango oh, Ice Blast. Oh, God. Do you, get, of... do you get the mixed ones or do you get just the blue or just no, the red? No, just the cherry, just the red one for me. Just the cherry? Just the cherry, yeah. Just the cherry for me. Oh, wow. Um, you think you know somebody. When you think you know somebody and they don't mix their ice blasts. <laughs> Did you get to see... Um, We're going to keep talking about films, yeah, aren't we, till the cows come home. Did you see any performances this year in cinemas that you really, 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 really loved? Yes. Of course you did. Woody Norman in Come On, Come On, one of the best performances I've seen. He is incredible. How old is Woody Norman? Give me two seconds. I'm going to guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Well, you keep Googling and I'll... Yeah, no, I got it. Carry on. Okay. I'm guessing that Woody Norman is nine. He's now 13, but I think he shot it a couple of years ago. He's British. He can do a better American accent than me. 10 times older. Keeps me up at night. He's incredible. <laughs> get practicing, Lauren. Get practicing. No excuses. <laughs> I'm never going to be Woody Norman, Max. You will. One day, one day. 
Woody Norman, Stephen Graham in Boiling Point, obviously. The entire cast of that film, I think, is incredible. Yes. Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. What about you? I'm going to give some shout outs to some people who also made a movie musical this year. Ariana DeBose. How can we not mention West Side Story? How can we not mention West Side Story in this podcast? Ariana DeBose, you are the most beautiful human being, firstly. Your energy and your love and support for our film has been amazing. So tenfold back to you. You're also a star and you're amazing. Also, Rachel Zegler and Mike Feist in that film. Yeah. Unbelievable display of skill. Yeah, the skill, the like vulnerability yeah. that it takes. It's hard to sing and dance. And they did yeah. both of those on screen in a Spielberg movie. Oh, God. And also the performances were so real, beautiful, raw. And uh, yeah, I'm obsessed with them. Also Lady Gaga in House of Gucci. I loved mm. Lady Gaga. I'm such a huge fan of Anyway. And also I I actually really liked Christian Stewart in Spencer. I, I thought the film was such an interesting perspective and it was shot beautifully and I thought her British accent was great I really 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 loved it I agree I think I think we see a lot of biopics now and this one was so different the scene with her in the pearls in the soup I was like oh my god yeah because usually a biopic film like the ones we've seen recently happen over a little bit of a long period of time what I liked Mm. about this one that was it was like such a short period of time but it felt so full of depth and yeah the yeah really, I really like, really zoomed it. in and nice yeah but those are some some things that I saw in the cinema recently that I absolutely loved mm. so going forward I hope that our film has been able to inspire other young actors uh, firstly I mean we haven't even spoken about this in this podcast but replying to like open calls we both got these roles in this film through an open casting and yeah you know, that's 100%. that's mad we should talk about that a little bit really shouldn't we about yeah. open castings like we both didn't have agents we both were unrepresented and all we did was reply I say all we did what we did was we replied to an open call how was your yeah. experience auditioning for Jamie it was intense and mm, I'm one of those people who always minimizes I'd be like oh it's really not that big of a deal it's really not that big of a deal so when I got the job I was like oh it's gonna be this straight to tv movie we're probably not going to have a premiere i'm probably not even going to be in it that much babe tell them the story of you coming to audition for jonathan our director and your dad took you T- tell this story because i think this puts into perspective why you maybe minimize things a little because bit. <laughs> so yeah so i found it on open i found an audition on openauditions.com saying we were looking for a 16 year old indian girl who can sing and i was like okay i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring here and then they invited me to audition and we went into this dance studio where I had to audition, but it was like above this Chinese takeaway, like a random street in Sheffield. It was on the outskirts of Sheffield. It was on the very outskirts of Sheffield in like some weird industrial place. And then it was just a random Chinese restaurant with a little dance studio above. It was in the middle of nowhere. And my dad had to drop me off because I was under 18 as well. So he had to be like around all the time. He was like, you said you found this online? I was like, yeah. He's like, is this okay? I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. And then I went in and I met Max and Johnny and our producers and everything. And they were like, oh, we, we don't want you to just... This is a few rounds after. We don't want you to just be auditioning in an empty room with a chair. We want to immerse you and do like a camera test. So we're going to go to the producer's house. And so then I ring my dad and I go, yeah, we're going to go to the producer's house to film a scene in his bedroom. <laughs> is that cool? I, I, I don't know what was going through my dad's head, but I think he had about 12 heart attacks. <laughs> Your dad was with you the whole time and I'd got the job by then. So I knew that Jonathan was a little bit like wanting to immerse you and the way he directs, he wants to draw, I think, as much of your own experiences in as possible. So 
in order to do that i think when you immerse yourself you can live more in a real space i guess and yeah i mean mine mine was the same you know i was I think the main takeaway here is that to not count yourself out. Don't count yourself out of a process just because you don't have an agent or because you don't have loads of film experience or loads of acting experience because we didn't. We both had never done a film before. We just thought this looks like something that we would really want to do and really enjoy. So I submitted my tape. It was just a tape, like 30 seconds being like, hi, I'm Max. I'm from Basingstoke. Here's me singing a little clip and... I told a story about how when I was little, I used to play dress up and like produce musicals in my living room for my family. And then again, you'd always, you'd always be, I would always be Rizzo and my sister would always be Danny. (laughs) Don't make a scene about it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's it's, it's not a funny story and it didn't, it didn't make my nan absolutely nearly like wet herself laughing. (laughs) It totally did. So yeah, then the audition process for me again was like seven rounds and each time I was like learning more and like, yeah, I was like meeting the director more and getting a little bit more attached to this character and got the job and I think we were so so lucky we made this as an independent British film and we made it with the best of the best British crew designers hair and makeup designers we were so lucky and every person actors and crew alike didn't make me feel like I was any less because I hadn't the experience they were just open to pour into me everything that they had learned getting a bit deep now getting so deep on the podcast today we are (laughs) we are chaotic and I don't know how to call back from this other than other other than to say that it's always lovely to chat to Lauren me and Lauren made this film obviously in 2019 and have stayed fantastic friends as much as Lauren would like to tell every press outlet that we are friends <laughs> <laughs> um, we are friends and she's, she's I never make get... that joke every time and it's never not funny and it's never not it never doesn't make me laugh <laughs> but yeah that's our podcast yeah. that's what you've got from us <laughs> hope you enjoyed our ramblings Thanks for listening to this episode of the Biffa podcast. If you've only just discovered the podcast, have a look in our back catalogue for any episodes that take your fancy. There's loads of great ones in there. One that we just had with Papa Essiedu and Lenny James was ace. Definitely check that one out. Thanks for listening. The Biffa podcast is a Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. It's hosted by me, Jake Cunningham, and I'm one of the producers as well, along with Harold McShiel and Ellie Aitken. The show's edited by Content is Queen.